I think at some point or another we've all seen that guy. I was waiting to get on a flight to Boston one time, and everybody was mad because someone had shoved a guitar into the... Wait, that was me. <laughs> Sorry. It fit in the wardrobe. Uh, but as we continue this morning in baggage claim, um, that's what we're talking about. You know, We all go into life carrying our baggage from childhood to adulthood, from relationships to insecurities, things that have happened in our lives, and we carry them into relationships with other people that have baggage, insecurities, and past. And we try to figure out how to work together to get through those things. And uh, sometimes that bag can feel so heavy you can barely lift it just from the simple weight of the gravity. Well, we are uh, continuing our series in baggage claim, and today we're going to look at that gravitational pull that just weighs on our baggage. And so you can be single and go through life by yourself, think you're basically a good person, and then you get into a relationship, family relationships, dating relationships, you have your own kids, and all of a sudden the gravity pulling down and exploiting and revealing your baggage becomes more and more, and you want to blame the other people. You were fine before people got around here. But actually, that gravity reveals what's inside of us. And today, I want to talk about a particular bag. Of all the bags we have stacked up here, we're going to look at a specific baggage, and that's of jealousy. And you might not think of yourself as a particularly jealous or envious person, but I want to propose to you that even if you don't think you struggle with this emotion or this action, that inside of this bag are all kinds of things that drive it. Fear, inadequacy anxiety. There's all types of things inside of this behavior that all of us deal with. And even if you don't see yourself as particularly jealous or particularly envious, you're going to find that you have to parent people who are. You're going to have to work and supervise people who are. You're going to have to work with people who really struggle with envy and jealousy. In fact, one-third of all couples describe jealousy as a major part of their relationship. One-third. Manifesting itself through instability, moodiness, anxiety, feelings of anxiety, feelings of inadequacy, all begin to plague the relationship. I want to try and propose today that jealousy is not a bag of emotions. You might think it is. It's not even a bag of actions. The jealousy is ultimately a bag of beliefs. There are certain beliefs that drive your behavior, certain beliefs that drive your anxiety, certain beliefs about yourself, about others, about God that are driving the behaviors that you're struggling with. And to do that today, I want to introduce you to a a person from the Bible who really struggled with this. And you might be shocked to find out that this man's name was Abraham, the founder of Judaism, the founder of Christianity, the founder of even uh, the Muslim religion. And Yet he in the Bible, in contrast to actually the Quran, which doesn't have him make any mistakes, in the Bible we find he is very, very much a person who has a lot of baggage. In fact, one of the places his baggage shows up most is in Egypt. He shows up in Egypt with his wife Sarah. And when he gets there with his wife, he suddenly is very, very insecure and very, very jealous of what might happen because his wife apparently was a beautiful, beautiful woman. And so when he gets to Egypt, he presumes, in fact, it says in the passage here, but I thought, I thought if I showed up in Egypt, a beautiful place with beautiful people, with a beautiful woman, I thought, these people are nasty people. There's no fear of God here. And I, but I thought they wouldn't respect me or her. And I thought they will kill me so they can marry my wife. 
So what's interesting here is he tells his wife, Sarah, to lie. Don't say you're my wife, say you're my sister. But if you look at this jealousy and this inadequacy, being in Egypt that's driving him, it really comes from what I underlined there, because I thought, surely the fear of God's not in this place, and they're going to kill me on your account. So all of these actions, all of this fear of asking people to lie for him, everything else, what looks like jealousy is a bag of beliefs that come from his thinking. Another interesting thing uh, about Abraham is Abraham is 75 years old at this point, which reminds us that you're never too old and you're never too accomplished to not deal with your baggage. You're never too old and you're never too accomplished to deal with your baggage. Let me show you what the next uh, passage says. We get to find out a little bit about Abraham. It says, Abram was 75 years old and he still got all of this. Like, well, sure, but he's a farmer. Come on. No, no, he is very, very wealthy. The Bible clearly indicates this man is very, very accomplished, great possessions, all their possessions. The Bible goes on to describe just how wealthy he is. But as wealthy as he is in his arena, when he steps into Egypt, oh, it brings out some inadequacies. I'm a wealthy farmer, but wow, look at the pyramids. Look at the prestige of this place. See, chronologically, you don't grow out of jealousy and envy and insecurity. You've got to developmentally work on it to get through it. I heard a a story told by John Eldridge. He said that uh, he was out fishing, and he's been fly fishing his whole life, loves fly fishing, and he loves mentoring young men. And he's probably put the 10,000 hours into fly fishing. I mean, he is an expert fly fisherman. So he's mentoring this 30-year-old man, and he said, hey, let's go out fly fishing for the day. So they went out west, and they're fly fishing, and He's casting it in, and it's a perfect day, perfect spot. He's caught many here before. And as he's fishing, a couple hours go by, and he's caught nothing. He's like, I'm an expert in this. This is the perfect day. And he can see about 200, 300 yards away is this guy he's been mentoring. And he's fishing down there, and he's like, man, if I'm not catching anything, he's got to be so discouraged his first time out. You know, we're meeting up for lunch. I'll just find a way I can encourage him and help him out. So sure enough, it's around noon, one o'clock, they gather back together, and he kind of starts the conversation. So, you know, how was the fishing? It was great, man. Caught ten. He said, and I was, John said, I was amazed. All of a sudden, I was ready to console him. I was ready to say, hey, that's how it goes. Don't worry, you got to practice. And instead, I found something welling up inside me. I never would have guessed. Jealousy. Envy. He said, and at the root of it was this idea, this belief. What about me. What about me? Hey, 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 I'm the expert here. I shouldn't be inadequate. I'm the mentor here. You're the mentoree. So I didn't say any of that, of course, but I felt all of that. I was amazed at how insecure I was. I was amazed at how selfish I was. I was amazed at how I was perfectly okay to say, yep, poor you, poor me too. But to have somebody succeed, that's one of the greatest indications, by the way, that you struggle with envy or jealousy. You can't Rejoice with other people's success. See, no one wants to admit that they're insecure or fearful or jealous or envious. Those are bad things. But you can often see, I have trouble rejoicing with other people's success. That's inside this case. In fact, John Eldridge goes on to say, have you ever noticed that when you go to a family reunion... Everybody gets together for Thanksgiving or Christmas or a birthday party. And it, it comes story time, right? And you're like, hey, what have you been up to this summer? And you ask the question and the person starts talking. 
Blah, 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 blah. And what are you really waiting for? What have you been up to this summer? Let me tell you about my vacation. Let me tell you about the fish I caught. Let me tell you, right? And so really it's what about me? What about me? What about me? And, and you don't mind sort of faking it for a little bit. Even you're interested for a little bit. But if you get done asking the question and they don't ask it back, there's a belief inside you that's like, what about me? So we're going to talk about that today. And my hope is, number one, you're going to help to diagnose maybe what's inside the bag of insecurity or jealousy that's driving it, how you might actually struggle with this thing more than you think, and how you can be free from games in your own life, in your workplace, and in our relationships. So to do that, we're going to begin by checking our baggage. I mentioned this last week, but I want to kind of spell that out in a little detail today. I want to give you five steps to check your baggage. So how do we check our baggage? How do we do that? Well, let me look at step one. The first step is you need to be able to check your baggage by identifying the factors that trigger your jealousy. What are the factors? Now, these are not the root causes. Those are the beliefs. But what are the factors that open up that case? If you read Abraham and Sarah's account, there's been a famine in the land. And that famine was very, very severe. And one of the things that drives or triggers jealousy and envy is a belief that there's just not enough to go around. And I can't celebrate somebody else's success because that means I'm losing if they win. And there's not enough love to go around. So, oh, you can't love this and that. And it's this inadequacy, small piece of the pie mindset that triggers you. So for Abraham, it was a famine. Growing up in famine really triggered. So when he sees all the plenty of Egypt, it triggers, oh my goodness. I could never do this. I could never live up to that. So do you, and I don't want you to memorize all five of these. I want you to think of one of these as I go through the five. If you struggle with not being able to celebrate with other people, do you know what triggers that? Somebody else gets a promotion. Somebody else's child wins something that your child doesn't win. What are the factors that trigger it? Now, there's one thing to talk about factors. There's nothing to talk about situations. So step two is what are the situations that when you get in that situation, this suitcase has a tendency to really come open? Well, for Abram, it was Egypt. He shows up in Egypt. There's something about that situation that triggered his jealousy. So much so that he lies about his wife. It causes all kinds of problems you're going to see in a moment. But years later, he returns to Egypt. And guess what? He does the exact same thing. Brand new leader, brand new situation, same old tools. Honey, these people got no morality like us. So we're going to lie. I mean, it's just such a bizarre story. And because these godless Egyptians don't have any morality, we're going to lie because they're going to kill us off. And it happens all over again. And if you or your spouse or your kids or someone in your department, I bet you, you could figure out there's certain situations, certain triggers and factors that drive that. Let's move to step three. Now, step three is discerning the difference between what you're what your fears know and what the facts show. And here's why jealousy is so challenging. Jealousy will tell you, you know these godless Egyptians. You know what they feel. You know how they're going to act. You know how they're going to react. And you know they're going to kill you. So your feelings feel very, very real. But they are actually causing what's called cognitive dissonance, cognitive distortions, and you're not seeing the world accurately. But it feels accurate. So discerning between what the facts show and what, uh, or what your feelings show, rather what the facts show, is a critical part of this process. 
Look what happens. Indeed, I know, I know, oh, I know, Abram says, that you're a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen. He is suddenly an amazing predictor of the future. And when our fears begin to drive what we do, we begin to think we know the future. As I mentioned about four months ago, I've been going to see a counselor for um, PTSD and hypervigilance with my wife having two back surgeries to be out of commission and with all the challenges of special needs. It's been so, so helpful. Um, for those who want to update my wife, she got an epidural two weeks ago and it's been a real game changer. We're not out of the woods, but it's been a fantastic two weeks compared to the previous um, four months. So thanks for your prayers. But one of the things I realized is when my wife's been in a lot of pain, and she's just been in sciatica pain for a year now, um, I can feel the fact that she's in pain. So I'm checking on her. How you doing, honey? How you doing, honey? How you doing, honey? I'm fine. You don't feel fine. Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? I don't want you to be mad at me. Well, I'm not, I wasn't mad at you, but I am now. And what I realized, it was my anxiety and fear, which came from some facts. There were some really challenging facts that been going on. But those facts I was interpreting out of my fear and anxiety and adequacy, if I was a good husband, I would have a wife who's in pain, right, kind of thing. Um, those beliefs, I was creating the very thing I was trying to fix. I wonder if she's mad at me. She wasn't. She's now mad at me because I've checked 12 times. And as I've learned to get some peace and anxiety in my own self, I end up not triggering her. And there's enough real circumstances to be triggered about right now than to have added anxiety when you bring your fears and your insecurities to bear. I had a friend of mine who was single again. Lieutenant Horizon, and he started dating a woman. And they were dating for a long time and had a great relationship. And same thing happened. She was so fearful that there wasn't enough love to go around. Yeah, are we doing okay? Are we doing okay? Yeah, I think we're doing okay. I didn't feel like we're doing okay. And she ended up creating the very problem that destroyed the relationship because of insecurity and fear. And if we don't deal with the beliefs inside of our baggage, there might be some small legitimate facts. And we're going to talk about some big ones too that are legit. But often when you let your fears drive you, your fears create the very problem and they become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So have you ever really sat down to check your, your baggage? To say, what do I feel that seems true? And what do the facts show? And am I, am I open to facts that contradict what I feel? Are you willing to be honest enough to say, sometimes I feel stuff that's true. Sometimes I fear stuff that's not true. And if you don't discern that, you'll end up sabotaging the very relationships you love. Don't you see that in your kids? You see friendships destroyed because somebody knew exactly what that text meant. No, no, no. Call. You're the, call them on the phone. Hear the tone. Don't read the tone in, right? But they just know. Check your baggage. Fourth, the other thing you need to realize is that we wouldn't be jealous if it didn't work. There's benefits to being jealous. There are. There's benefits of doing everything wrong. You wouldn't do it if it didn't get you out of a problem, if you didn't alleviate some fear, if it didn't make you feel good for the moment. So step four is realize that jealous dysfunction has temporary benefits. So he turns to his wife. Hey, please say you're my sister. That will be well with me. You're doing this for me. You're saving my life, honey. Okay, all right. And so all of a sudden, you with your anxiety require your spouse or your kids or your, you know, to do all kinds of crazy things to help, deal, help you deal with your own inner insecurity. And so they're like, well, okay, I want to help. And it creates a whole lot of complexity. But look what happens. 
So the Egyptians saw the woman. Apparently she was beautiful. This 75-year-old woman is apparently hot because she's got all of Egypt talking and she's got her husband like, you know, oh, they're going to kill me. Um, And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house and he, Pharaoh, treated Abraham well for her sake. My goodness, sheep are going home with him. Oxen are going home with him. Camels are going going home with them. Be careful, they spit. Ding, camels. So he suddenly got all this stuff coming his way because of his jealous insecurity. There's a reason why you're jealous. Some of it's fear, anxiety, insecurity. But sometimes you have learned a technique of getting your needs met by being jealous. How can that be? Well, you get attention. You know, where were you last night? You know, my spouse didn't really talk to me unless I accuse him of things. Well, that doesn't sound particularly healthy. Well, I'd rather have bad attention than no attention. Oh. I've known folks who've gone through uh, an affair and just the devastation of that kind of betrayal. And as I was working with one couple who was trying to overcome that, and has been incredibly successful with God and grace and accountability, both doing some really hard work. But one of the steps, one of the, the people told me as they were going through the process, is they said, I had to realize that my anger and jealousy, part which was legit, part which was now holding us back, was it gave me the right to be a victim. And I didn't want to be a victim, but I couldn't let go. I couldn't forgive because I had the right to be a victim. And I kept saying to myself in my bag of beliefs, you've got to pay. You've got to hurt how I hurt. And I realized, one, I'm not sure they could ever hurt the way I hurt. But that need for revenge, that need that they would pay was actually the benefit. It warmed my soul, that adrenaline rush that I had the right to make them pay. They had to deal with that temporary benefit of jealousy in order to move forward. Fifth, though there's temporary benefits, you need to remember, long-term consequences of jealousy is it will plague your relationships. It will plague a workplace that can't celebrate with one another. It'll plague a team where you can't celebrate that one person can score a goal and so you're always the ball hog rather than than assisting and, and giving the better play. Envy and jealousy will destroy teams, they will destroy neighborhoods, they will destroy companies, and they will destroy marriages. That's kind of what happens here. Uh, This plague breaks out with Pharaoh and his house because it's a great plague because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, hey, what's going on with me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? And again, I don't have time in this message to get into, is it fair that God made this happen? We've addressed those in those weeks. For the sake of this message, I want to say, because of what temporarily worked all kinds of problems unfold a plague breaks out in egypt and the pharaoh's like whoa 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 i know how the gods work these egyptian gods so he took this as an omen from the egyptian gods and he's like well i don't want to be going after somebody's married wife there's also if you continue the story in the book of genesis the pharaoh gets so angry that he says anything you've touched take with you so Abram and Sarah leave Egypt for the first path, and one of the, the people that gets sent with them from Egypt is a woman named Hagar. And Hagar becomes the woman that Sarah, when she can't have children, says, you know what, I think it'll probably be okay if you sleep with her and me, and we can kind of have a surrogate baby. And it starts Abraham into polygamy, and it creates what still all the conflict in the Middle East today comes from this long-term consequence of these decisions that happen here. I've got a family member that I've been inviting to go on vacation with us, my wife and I, for 25 years. And he always pulls me aside and says the same thing. I can't go. Why? 
My wife is so anxious and jealous that I cannot ever go to any place near a beach because even if I had blinders on, she would just know that I'm looking at other women. I'm like, well, is there anything we can do about that? No, no. Been married for X amount of years and it was a large number. And this is just a constant reality in our life. Now here's what's amazing. In the middle of all this dysfunction, and there's a lot of dysfunction, God shows up and says to Abraham, after he's done all of this, I want to be in relationship with you. Pretty amazing. The passage goes on, it says, Abraham goes up from Egypt. He's very rich in livestock. He's very rich in silver and gold. Remember, you're never too accomplished to get over envy and jealousy. Abraham called on the name of the Lord there. God, I need help. Oh, I'm screwing this up. I'm making all kinds of mistakes. And God shows up and says, lift your eyes now and look upon the place where you are. I want you to look northward, southward. I actually got to stand in this place in Israel, by the way. We had to hike like an hour to get to it. It's an amazing view. We stood in this very spot. And God said, every place you look, I'm going to give this land to you. Not you earned it. Not you've been a good moral person. No, you're a liar and you're insecure and you're narrow-minded. And this is what's so powerful about the Bible. The Bible is not about religion. You try and be good and then God will kind of love you. It's God sees your secrets. God sees your baggage. God knows your dysfunction and your fears far more than you do. And he loves you. And he wants to give you grace and give you instruction and give you help. The main message of the Bible, the reason we're so passionate as a church about what we do and why we do it and why have four services and why have two services that are different from two other services, why create men's groups and women's groups and why, why create all these tools? Because we believe in the message of the Bible that there is a God who can work with people with baggage to bring us forgiveness and instruction and leadership. It's why we built this place. It's why we you know, put so much energy into our services. We want you to know there's a God who's not looking for perfect, put-together people, but people with baggage who can understand the love of God so much they're willing to start cracking open some of the suitcases because they're already loved because God already knows your secrets. In fact, this has been a pretty incredible week. If you've uh, stopped by the church at all this week, you know our hallways have been totally filled up because we're creating some new tools for the future. We actually have an app that's coming out in about a month. That app is going to allow you to watch our services online if you're on vacation. It's going to allow you to take a message like this and say, oh my goodness, I I got my sister-in-law or my mom or I got a neighbor who's struggling with jealousy. And you can just have them download the app and say, here's a video you can watch of a service. It would be helpful. We've had video teams here from Nashville all week. They've been cutting holes in, in spots and running wires in spots. We've got a whole video room that's almost totally assembled here on the left. We've had like 700 boxes up and down the stairs. Why? Why not just keep doing what we're doing? Because we want to create new tools and those new tools to help all of us just get real about what's going on inside of us. So for those of you who've been giving for the last year, because you're excited about having tools so you can watch services when you're out of town or you can pass on service to the people, you know, we're, we're, we're just a few months away um, of putting all the pieces together. So this fall, you're going to see the app come out. You're going to start seeing the live stream come in right after that. And then we're going to be moving right after this project into uh, building our new space to have additional room for people attending our services. So, so thank you for allowing us to put these tools in place so that we can help bring this incredible message of grace to God to our friends and our neighbors. And if you haven't given yet, right after this project, we're going to start building that new room and we've still got some decisions to make on the finishing level and we could still use a few more gifts as we're making those decisions as we're planning that. But God wants to meet you with your baggage. 
He wants to help you, help your friends, help your community with whatever you're struggling with. So how do we do that? Well, pick one of those five steps for checking your baggage. And then I think we need to go back to Abraham's main issue, which is his bag of beliefs. How do we check our thoughts? If you don't check your thoughts, you're going to end up getting bagged by your beliefs. If you don't check your thoughts, you're going to get bagged by your beliefs. Meaning, jealousy and envy, the inability to rejoice with other people, really comes from a whole stack of stuff. It's some fear here, it's some inadequacy here, it's some, you know, there's not enough to go around here. And if you don't take these thoughts captive, you're going to get bagged. They're all going to sort of fall on top of you, destroy your marriage, destroy your company, destroy the morale of your department. In fact, in her book, For Men Only, For Women Only, uh, Harvard-trained researcher Shanti Feldhahn did research, and 65% of men admitted to, sometimes i got to pretend I'm more competent and confident than I really am. Right? It's kind of part of selling yourself is I, gotta, I am confident, but I also go, there's some percentage of this, I'm having to fake it a bit. And that often what comes across as arrogance, what comes across as overconfidence, can often, even as men, be some degree of insecurity. In fact, here's a geeky reference, but... I'm a geek, so here it is. Uh, I, I like Star Trek, The Next Generation. And so in Star Trek, The Next Generation, there's this moment where Jean-Luc Picard, the captain, and his medical officer, Beverly Crusher, end up on a planet. And while they're there, she gets the ability through whatever alien rock she encounters that she can hear his thoughts. And so they've been friends for years, and so Jean-Luc Picard typically, all right, we need to go here, and I know exactly which way we're going. And so she hears him say that with the typical confidence of a captain, but then she hears the thought of, I think, I I hope this is the right way. And she's like, do you always act more confident than you really feel? I said, well, I never thought of it before, but maybe I do. And good old Jean-Luc Picard didn't want to admit he had fears, that he had some inadequacy, that he in any way struggled, because he was the captain, he was the leader. So it's a very interesting episode in sort of helping someone else look into your own psyche. What are the beliefs? You know, leaders can't admit mistakes. I can't in any way say that I got fear. I can't in any way say that I got any kind of questions here. And yet often, it's the honesty of that that draws people to us. But I want to talk about three types of jealousy. There's three types of jealousy that can be driven by this. Because remember what it said in that passage? In that passage, it said, but I thought, Right? Because I thought, surely the the fear of God's not in this place, they're going to kill me. If you don't capture those thoughts, it's this fear that's driving this. It's this inadequacy that's driving this. It's this belief that there's not enough to go around. It's this belief that what about me, what about me, what about me, what about me, that's driving this. You're not going to find the freedom you need. But one thing that might be helpful is making a distinction between the three types of jealousy. There's godly jealousy insecure jealousy, and then there's pathological jealousy. So let's start with the first one. That seems so wrong. Godly jealousy? The Bible describes God as jealous God multiple times. So much so, if you've ever seen an interview with Oprah, one of the reasons she rejects Christianity is because of this concept. She says, I cannot believe in an insecure God who's jealous, and because they're jealous, they like, you know, just insecure. That doesn't sound like God to me. Godly jealousy is wanting what belongs to you. So for example, uh, when I'm counseling someone who's been through an affair, if someone's had an affair, the other person should be angry. That's godly jealousy. You, the offending spouse, have given away something that belonged to us, that we covenanted together. 
So when God is a jealous God, he's saying, we're in relationship, you and I. I've committed to you, that's you to commit to me. And when God's committed to you and you start giving your commitments, your affections to something else, God, because he cares so much about the commitment you made to each other, and you're taking what belongs to the two of you and giving it to someone else, that's godly jealousy. And unrelated to an affair, I'll show it in other ways. When you get married and you start feeling that your spouse is not giving their best energy to the marriage because they're giving their best energy to work or giving their best energy to the kids, you feel that. And some conversations need to take place. How are we going to make this work? Because you can feel that the energies and the time and the effort that is supposed to be for each other is being given to other things. And so this is a kind of good kind of jealousy that it's good to have a conversation. How are we going to make this work in this new season of life? Now, insecure jealousy is there's no evidence, there's no facts. It's just my fear, my insecurity, my inadequacy is driving this, which is what I've been talking about. There's another type of jealousy called pathological jealousy, and that's where there's no evidence anywhere. There's just so much anxiety and so much, you just are inventing stuff. It's just constant feeling, not like once a week, not once a month. This is like every day, multiple times a day, you're just feeling despite the fact that there are no facts. You cannot get out of this pattern of jealousy. So where godly jealousy requires some conversations, real healthy dialogue, Hey, we want to protect our affections that we have for each other. We want to protect the energies we have for each other. Insecure jealousy requires an environment where we can be honest about our beliefs that are driving it. And pathological jealousy probably requires you know, more additional counseling. So I need to really go into the past and figure out what's driving this. And I'll help you with that in just a moment. So how do I identify our baggage? What are the thoughts that might be driving the behaviors in your life? I don't know if you ever have the problem that when you go to the airport, there's a lot of black suitcases... And so I decided I wanted to be able to identify my suitcase. So what I did is um, I had this ridiculous chicken hat that my wife hated. And she wanted to throw it away, which was a terrible decision. And I knew this chicken hat had a second life. So I put it on my bag. And I have never yet missed which bag is mine. It is just so easy to see when it's coming on the stroller. I zip-tied him on here. I cut him off the head. And and I tell you, my kids love this. My wife loves this. People love to be seen with the man with the chicken bag all the time. It's just a great conversation starter. But I'll tell you this. I know exactly what my bag is. When you leave today, I want you to try and identify exactly one of your bags and beliefs. So do that. You've got to stop pretending. Stop pretending you never struggled with envy or jealousy or fear. Yeah, stop pretending. Stop trying to save face. Pretend you're better than you really are. So I'm going to give you a couple bag tags that might be helpful. And I want you to try and identify one of these that might be yours. What's driving these behaviors and feelings? Number one, it might be triggers from the past. Hey, my spouse had an affair. No wonder I'm so insecure. That makes sense. Maybe it's your father or mother had an affair. And you're afraid that's going to happen to you. And you end up going to cause the insecurity that you're most fearful of. Stop pretending that the past isn't influencing what's happening right now. No more pretending. How about the second one? Triggers from inadequacy. Is there a feeling I'm not good enough? Even though you're totally accomplished, but you get in certain environments, no matter how accomplished you are, there's always somebody who has a bigger territory, a bigger title. 
And can you admit to yourself that you actually feel some degree of inadequacy when you're people who have just a little bit nicer this or a little bit nicer that? It takes a lot of vulnerability to yourself to admit that you've been pretending that you don't struggle with such things. How about the bottom? Provides attention. Are you willing to admit that at some level one of the reasons you act in a jealous way is because you like the attention you get or you like being a victim or get your needs met and kind of an inappropriate but better that than the alternative, the fear that you won't get them met at all? Stop pretending that victimization might not be part of your motivation. I'll give you two more. Self-pity. Do you get into situations where other people are celebrated and you suddenly go, well, I, I, I deserve, I deserve what they're getting. Or, I don't deserve what's happening to me. Good things happen to them and I got sort of crummy things happening to me. Their marriage is doing well, my marriage is not doing well. Their kids are succeeding, my kids are not. And so there's a self-pity that's being... And you say, well, I'm not the kind of person who's self-pity. Well, are you willing to stop pretending and admit that maybe you do actually struggle with some self-pity? Maybe we all do. Maybe we're not quite as sophisticated as we pretend to be. Maybe it's triggering a self-entitlement. Like John talked about. Why me? Why not me? Why them? Or maybe it provides protection. Better accuse somebody else of jealousy than to admit that I have fear and insecurity. It's a deflection mechanism. I can keep the focus on you. You this and you didn't do this. If you hadn't done this, I wouldn't feel that way. Rather than admitting, I'm just scared. I'm just feeling like I'm not good enough. I'm feeling like, I don't know if I cut it anymore. Or maybe the last one. Reinforces your image. I got to pretend I'm the perfect leader who never has fear. I got to pretend that I would never struggle with these things because I'm a religious person. I'm a moral person. I'm a leader person. The incredible thing about the Bible is that it gives us the freedom to be honest with our secrets and our baggage. I remember in my last church, I was the creative arts director, and things weren't going the way the elders and leaders at that church wanted, so they basically demoted me. It was called a lateral transfer, but you know, I just got a new title. But basically, I got fired from this position. And the guy I trained became my boss. And he was a good friend of mine. His name's Paul Tate. He, he was our creative director here for many years. And I remember having this conversation with Paul. I said, Paul, I hope you succeed. I am on your team. I want you to win here. Kinda. I said, there's a part of me that wants you to fail. Because I don't want the leaders of the church to think I was the problem. Because I wasn't. The problem was how they were running it. And if you succeed, I'm going to end up looking like I was the problem. It's going to reinforce that lie. And I'm telling you this because I want you to call me on this. If you in any way see me not supporting you, if you in any way see me not encouraging you, if in any way you see me not um, wanting you to be successful, I want you to call me on it. And I want to be honest and say, that's going on inside of me. I, I wouldn't be honest with you if it wasn't. For the sake of our friendship, for the sake of our, our, our team, for the sake of our, the future, I want to admit where I'm at. I'm jealous. And I'm envious. And by getting that in the open and not pretending it's not there, I hope we can succeed. And we did. So much so that when I came here 15 years ago, he actually moved from Atlanta and became our creative director here. And we had a great uh, 10, 15 year run together. But it started with me admitting, I can't pretend. I got to be honest. This next song really speaks to maybe where God wants to meet you in the midst of it all. Maybe today you're feeling just like that song that God would just sang. Maybe you feel like your baggage is holding you down to a place where you know God loves you, but you can't quite feel that and you need the proof. And 
Albert and I were talking during rehearsal this morning, and he he was saying how you know sometimes these things aren't because God lets bad things happen to us, but He's teaching us and trying to grow us and find out what we can do um, to rise higher and get closer to Him in our time of anxiousness or jealousy or bitterness when our past is overtaking us. So if you're feeling that way. You're, you're not the only person in this room that's feeling feeling that. We just pray together this morning and, uh, and lift this up. Father God, we, just, uh, we know your presence is here in this room and we know that you love us and we know that we fall short, that we fail, that uh, these things can get into our lives, get into our hearts, get into our relationships, whether with our spouse, our kids, our work our friendships. And at some point, we look to you for the strength to stop pretending and to uh, turn these things over to you, to be honest with each other and to be honest with you. And that's what our our, our, uh, our prayers this morning. And we lift things up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue uh, our series, Baggage Claim. We're so glad you're with us today, and we look forward to seeing you next week.